Iowa everywhere. Jordan Bohannon, Jared Stansberry. It's Jared and J-Bo on Iowa Everywhere. This is Iowa Everywhere. Yo, welcome into the podcast. Saturday morning, Saturday morning edition of the podcast. We uh, we were busy a lot this week. Uh, what's up, Jordan? How's it going, man? I'm kind of digging these Saturday vibes. We started on right now. You screaming at me over text. It's just a great weekend. I what did I do? You screamed at me over text. I I don't think that I screamed. I don't think I even used an exclamation point. I think I just scolded you. It was, with profanity. It was, it was yeah. you screamed at me. It's fine. Well, I I apologize for screaming at you. Uh, it's it, I want you to hear what I'm saying, not how I'm saying it. Like a, like a coach would say, you know, that's a Fred McCaffrey quote. If I've ever heard one. Yeah. I imagine that that's one that you have to hear from coach McCaffrey at some point. Yeah. Oh, every day. <laughs> I think that my dad was the first person who ever said that to me Ooh, as a coach. coach. Yeah. Well, he was, uh, yeah, my dad was a good coach when we were, you know, when we were younger, he didn't coach in high school or anything, but, uh, no, we got a lot to talk about today. Iowa state and Iowa both with some wins this week. Uh, they do both play this weekend. Uh, I don't know how much we'll talk about those games just because of, of the nature of when we're recording. But um, let's start with Iowa. Another win over Ohio State earlier this week on uh, on Thursday night, coming off a win over Minnesota. Uh, I mean, I watched that entire game, and the one the only thing I could think about is is what the hell is wrong with Ohio State right now. Like, what has gone wrong? Because that team looked really good early in the year. And, like, Bryce Sensabaugh had been playing really well. Man, they just – they something has gone really wrong for them at some, somewhere along the line. Not to take anything away from Iowa, but it just was – I don't know, like, if, if what you thought watching that. I was just really taken aback by their situation right now. Ohio State reminds me of, like, Texas Tech in the Big 12, right? Yeah. Like, they're very capable of having a really great year, but – for whatever reason, I think and Ohio State's had a lot of injuries. Um, Zed Key was going down like every other minute with his shoulder in the Iowa game, which I felt bad for. But yeah, it, it's tough at this, this, especially this point of the season when you have injuries and you have a, you're a team that's in a slump like that in conference play. Like they dropped six in a row, then they just dropped the seventh one here to Iowa, and you're dealing with injuries on top of that. It's like the whole world is kind of crashing down you at this point and. I mean, there's really not much you can do for Ohio State. I mean, they, they have a lot of great players, but that's just not their year. Believe me, I understand. I covered a team that lost 18 in a row, so yeah. I, I I get it. You know, I yeah. I can uh, sympathize with the folks over in Columbus. Uh, but no, it just was a workmanlike week. I felt like for Iowa, like you had two games that you just you couldn't afford to lose. You know, Minnesota is not a good team, and then. Uh, Ohio State is not a good team right now either, but you just handle your business, and now you've got a big one coming up tomorrow against Northwestern, who uh, who's been playing really well here as of late as well. I mean, what did what do you like about what you saw from Iowa this week? I think the diversification of their scoring output is the main story here. I think the fact that Chris Murray has kind of had the burden left let off his shoulders. I feel like since he's came back from his injury, 
Um, some guys had the chance to step up during, during that time frame. And I, I believe we talked about that exact thing that there was going to have to be like Tony Perkins stepping up big time during that time, time frame. And now I think that created a lot of confidence for these guys that, I mean, granted coach, coach McCaffrey's only playing seven guys realistically right now. So I, I think that might be trouble to make a run postseason play, but I mean, the top teams always play around seven to eight, but the fact that we've had those guys that step up and play meaningful minutes and guys that do come in, they support in a huge way. You know, Connor was pretty much on a triple double watch this last game and someone that you probably didn't expect this year to really have much of a output. And he's really stepped up his game. I think he's been, huge huge factor on them going on this little streak and they're inching closer to those 11 games i think it takes to get that state tournament i don't as good as they are in their standings in the conference play i don't think they're in yet they have to just finish business and i think they will but northwestern is going to be a tough task they've already lost they already beat them once it's really hard to beat a team twice in the big time yeah uh northwestern since they got their little uh two-week break been playing really well it must be nice to be able to take two weeks off in the middle of the season and then come back well rested for the for the big uh, Big Ten stretch run. Funny how that works. It's funny how that works. But I, Minnesota took a week off and yeah, well I think Minnesota was too far gone. Let's be honest. I I do really like Northwestern and uh, Coach Collins. I've always been a huge Coach Collins fan. He's one of my favorite in the Big Ten. Um, man, he's. He turned that program around. Like and then they got they got Boo Booey, man. All that guy's first team all name in college basketball. Boo-booey. All name team, yeah, yeah. Boo Booey. I feel like uh, Adige has been there for seventeen years. Is that how it felt like when I was playing college basketball? Like yes, okay. yes, all right. yes. Tony, you know, yeah. You you're part of the Perry Ellis team. Not, I don't know, maybe not Perry Ellis' team. Perry Ellis' first team All-American in that sense of the uh, his career feeling like he, it lasted forever, but that's because Perry looked like he was 42 when he was, like, 19, you know. Uh, so you don't have that going against you, at least. I feel like the thing with me, I get I played the most games in college basketball history, right? I I think I don't I don't look old, though. Like, is that bad? Am I no, just that's a, what I'm saying. That's that's what I'm saying. That's the difference. Like, some of those guys, some guys look old, you know. Like, I Greg Oden, like, you, yeah. it does not look like you should have played six years of college basketball and Greg Oden played one, you right. know. Like, Greg Oden looked like he was 35 when he was 18 years old. Okay. I was going to say, I was going to have, like, a middle-age crisis already at the age of 25. I just feel like I have the most baby face out of all the people that played a lot of college basketball. I'm trying to think of other guys that – were like that that looked old uh man perry ellis is just the only one that i can really think of like that guy was around forever i don't know i'm sure people thought that about george like yeah. when he was at, at iowa state as well how many games did you play in what was your career total 178 i think okay i was gonna say ashley jones played in 149 the other night and that was a that's a new big 12 record connor which, just played in his 159th last game too that's crazy, man. That's a lot of basketball games. There's a lot of college basketball. Those are some records that will never be broken ever. No, those deserve it. Never, never. 
Th- those deserve asterisks in the in the record book. It's like the it's like Barry Bonds with his home runs. You guys were I hate, I hate the steroids that equivalent. I hate that argument. What that Barry Bonds should have an asterisk in the hall in in the record books? Well, or that you too, should both of them. Well, Barry Bond, you still got to hit the fucking home runs. Like it doesn't matter if he took steroids or not. You still got to hit them. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. For I you, you like... still got to be healthy enough to play the, play the games. Is that what you're saying? I yes. mean, th- I'm just saying that there's and not that many times that people are going to get that like opportunity. You know, I do, the COVID I just... year will be the everyone having the extra year will be an anomaly in the history of college sports just Correct. over yeah yeah but you still have to produce well i'm not i was kidding i'm not saying that there's really needs to be an asterisk i'm just saying that it's like it's funny like that there will oh, be a, a stretch where records will, will all be like kind of knocked out of whack because of these people who got extra years you know i still i still can't get over because people are i still see it on twitter of some guys that are the fifth and sixth years this year of the 50 and 40, 45 plus year old reporters and commentators, like calling all these kids out on, on TV and on social media. I'm like, yo, you guys are literally 20 years older than these kids. And you're calling them old on national television and on social media. How is that is the most, like, I, I don't know. I just think that's really messed up in my opinion. Uh, there's a guy that's plays quarterback at North at the university of North Texas who was in the same high school class as me and is going to be, is going to be a junior at North Texas. And so that one, that's the only time that I'll say anything. I'm like, I've been out of college for seven years at this point. And this guy's going to be a junior at North Texas. And we went to, we graduated high school at the same time. But a lot of like, uh, Utah and Utah state, a lot of those guys are your age. People don't talk about that. I don't know about at Utah, but maybe at BYU. Yeah. Utah State. I don't think people do missions at Utah State. Dude, I literally played against Utah State. Their scouting report was 24, 25, 26. How old do you think I am? Like 37. <laughs> I like how you said they're all the same age as you, and then they're like, they're 24, 25. I was like, that's not close. That's not how old. But that I was am. back like my. Like the first of my seven seniors. When you, yeah, when you were eighteen, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I, I definitely like I know for sure BYU's got those guys because like Jimmer Fredette had to go, he had to leave for a year to go. Yeah, Utah State does mission. too. I thought it was all Mormon. Like I don't think that I don't think that everyone in Utah is a Mormon. It is a large percentage. I looked it up when I was in Salt Lake City. Well, I think it certainly is, but I don't think that every single person who's there is a Mormon. Like I don't. It is think... a large. It is a very large percentage, Jared. I'm just <laughs> how I'm just many people? You know, it's not every single person, but it is a very large percentage. I think it's over. Of half. Of course, we're not typed in how many people in Utah. Uh, Sixty-eight point five five percent of That's the insane, states. Right? I wonder what the entire population of the state is. How crazy is that? Almost 70% of the population in Utah is Mormon. It estimated 2 million people. Okay, but let's think about this. Like, to go play football at the University of Utah, how many of those kids do you think are from Utah? How prosperous of a recruiting, a fertile, or how fertile of a recruiting ground is is Utah? Very rich. I, have you ever, well, you said you'd been to Salt Lake. Have you ever been to the rest of Utah? 
Dude, I don't think you realize Utah is just Salt Lake City and suburbs around it. There's nothing else. It's I don't think Utah. that that's a fertile recruiting ground. That's what I'm trying to tell you. That's okay. not a good. Okay. I'm looking at. I'm looking it up. Looking it up. Two four seven. Sports. I literally played against Utah State. Like I know these guys were fucking. Old. I'm telling you right now, this is uh, this is not a place where people like you don't just all of a sudden you'd like go to Utah and now you're Mormon. You sure, know, when you're like, 24 years old and you're going into college to play college basketball, they're gonna recruit you because you're fucking old. I mean, I don't think that that's necessarily true all the time. I disagree. So you're saying that if I have friends who didn't play any college basketball and right no. now today they decided no. that they wanted to play, that means that they're going to be able to get onto a team? Don't you understand that. how dumb that sounds? That's not what I said. Don't do that. That is exactly what you just said. That's exactly what you said. You said if someone is 24 and they want to play college basketball, they're going to recruit Utah, them because they're U- grown men. Utah. After, because they're after grown men. Trip. There are four kids from Utah <laughs> That are going to play Division One college basketball next year. Four. All right, let's look up. Why don't we? Why don't we look up Utah State's starting lineup? All right. And then who's well, their coach now? Who's Who's Utah State's coach now? I don't remember. Yeah, I think it's someone that we know, like someone that uh, is uh, is notable. The Utah State basketball roster. All right, one guy from Utah. There's two. All right. There's a guy from Australia, a guy from England, a guy from Ukraine, Poland, North Carolina, Maryland, four people from Utah, five, Pennsylvania. This guy's from Bahrain, England, and Utah. Basically, they have six guys from Utah, like six guys from all over the the world, and then one guy from North Carolina. Six guys is a lot. What are we talking about here? I mean – to say it's let's, not that let's look at the roster. Let's, they have six guys in their. We're looking at the state. We're looking at the statistics to see where these, which of these guys are actually playing that are from Utah. It doesn't matter. There's six guys that are playing a division. Okay, that one does. Team. That's one. That guy's from Pennsylvania. That guy's from England. Guys from Ukraine. Australia. Sean Bearstow. I wonder if he's related to Cameron Bearstow. He uh, he was there when I played against him. Yeah, a couple of these guys from Utah play, but most of them do not. Uh, so this is how crazy. how different is this from the guys from Iowa that are walk-ons at Iowa or at Iowa State? I think you're taking away some from walk-ons now. No, I'm not taking anything away from walk-ons. I'm just saying, like. Let's not pretend here that Utah's pumping out all Americans. You know, so now you're changing all Americans. They had six guys from Utah. What's what do we define? What do we define to be a fertile recruiting ground? Guys that go Division One, I I would say that's pretty fucking fertile. At the universe, at the university, we got more people from the state of Iowa that are going to play Division One than they do in Utah. And no one would call the state of Iowa a fertile recruiting state. No one. there's four guys on University of Utah's team too, so I mean that's pretty impressive as well. How many of them play? That's not the argument, Jared. They're on a Division One basketball team. That's not, dude. That doesn't make a place a, a fertile recruiting ground. Yes, it does. No, it does, not. no it does not. No, it does yes, not. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Utah State. That's why. That's right why now. Utah State's best players are coming from all over the fucking world, dude. Like they have to go to fucking Bahrain to get good players. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and they're probably Mormon too. That's probably why. 
That's where the whole. Uh, no, no. If you saw this guy, you would know he's not a Mormon. Oh, so now we're discriminating on looks. I'm not. Mormons do. <laughs> you ever watched any of those documentaries, bro? How they talk about the Gentiles? <laughs> Apparently not. <laughs> you don't know anything about Mormonism, okay? I'm just saying, I think you're taking... Hey, go educate yourself on the Church of the Latter-day Saints and then come back to me, all right? I think you need to educate yourself on Utah basketball because I'm, I'm standing. I'm, I'm a stand. I'm going to have people in my mentions like, oh, you think that Utah basketball is not any good, you fucking idiot? They'll be like, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I fucking think. I, I, that's exactly what I think. I mean, I, I, I just don't understand how you don't agree Do you think that. that South Dakota is a fertile recruiting ground as well? Well, I mean, that's really not what our argument was, to be honest. No, I'm just, I'm just like throwing it out there. I'm just trying to think of places that don't really produce players that have, that might have a school who is good that does have players from that state. I'm just, that's one well, that I can think of. But like, though. they don't pump out like big time players in South Dakota, you know? Yeah, like, but they're still. Guys I think Iowa up. State's had Iowa State brought in a kid that is going to be in this next class. That's from South Dakota. He's the first kid in like 30 years that's signed with Iowa State from South Dakota, which is like, you know, obviously that's pretty rare, like rare for that to be happening. And then they just don't produce. Division I wonder where the last often. kid from uh, Salt Lake City is to go to Iowa or Iowa State. To go to Iowa or Iowa State, I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that has. Oh, the best part of this. I'm just looking at this now. Uh, three of the four who are like high rated recruits for this next class all go to Wasatch Academy, which is a uh, which is a prep school. And two of them are from Texas. So they're not actually from Utah. So why would they say they're from Utah? Because they play at Wasatch Academy. Okay, but and... even their, the, the roster on ESPN for both the teams, are, those guys are from Utah. Uh, on the, I'm looking at the two, four, seven recruiting rankings, not the teams. I know, but I'm saying, but I'm all... this kid, this kid, RJ Jones, who's going to Kansas state next year. I'm going to imagine that when he's listed on the roster, it will say he's from Denton, Texas, not that he's from Wasatch, Utah. Right. I know I'm agreeing. So that you. no one would ever even know that he was from Utah. So there's one kid who's actually from Utah that will be on our college roster listed with Utah. Okay, but all the these place. guys were from Utah that we just were talking about. Yeah, none of them are. That's what I'm trying to say to you. Is like maybe one of those guys was like a legitimate Division One recruit. Like I'm sure those other guys are good players. Don't get me wrong. Like I'm sure that they could go to the Citadel and be great or something. Like or be go to VMI. You know, they do great. They do great, but they're not Power Five recruits. Like that's what I'm trying to say. That's not a fertile recruiting ground. Okay. But I I don't know what you want me to say. I I, I feel like I gave all my facts and evidence to prove my point and you're still screaming at the cloud that it's raining i don't know i mean you're still you're still wrong like texas is a fertile recruiting ground not i'm not wrong there's that wasn't the art first of all we talked about how many mormons are in utah they're like no there's not there's not that many then we said i never said there's not that that would be a stupid thing for me to say there's not that many mormons in utah that'd be a stupid thing for me to say everyone's not a mormon because everyone's not everyone's not there's 33 percent of people that are not I have these flowers next to me and my nose is I, I wanna I wanna throw up. I don't know. I'm just saying. You make broad general statements, I bring the facts. Next topic.
Does Iowa beat Northwestern tomorrow? I'm always betting on my Hawks. It's going to be a tough one. Do they beat Wisconsin on Wednesday? Another tough one. This is a. This is why I am struggling with these next two games is because of the streak they've been on. It is really hard to stay hot in the Big Ten for this long amount of time. So I am skeptical, but if they continue playing like they have been and we don't get a game like they put up um, against uh, – I'm blanking. Who, uh, Wisconsin? Or, or Northwestern? Which one are you thinking of? Uh, who they played three, two, three games ago? Uh, Iowa? Yeah. Uh, Purdue. Purdue, yeah. Yeah. They didn't play bad against Purdue, but if they play to that standard, they're not going to win these two games. They're going to have to play their best basketball to beat Northwestern and Wisconsin. Two big games too. This, this ultimately, they they're still in the running for first place in the Big Ten because you don't know what's going to happen with Purdue. They've lost three of the last four. They're only two. I think Purdue has four losses. Iowa has six. That's yeah. doable to win the Big Ten, fourteen and six. It really is. Yeah, it's doable. The only uh, downside is that. Purdue does play three of their last four at Mackey Arena. Yeah. I think Iowa play yeah, Iowa plays three of their last five on the road. Um but the two they do get at home are probably good ones to get at home. You get Michigan State at home and then uh you finish the year with Nebraska, who actually has been playing pretty good ball again all of a sudden. I think they've won three or four. Uh all right, let's flip things over to Iowa State. Of course, all of our basketball conversation brought to you by Sweet Caroline's Kitchen and Cocktails on Main Street in Ames. It's a perfect place to go before or after Iowa State home games, anytime the Cyclones are on the road or anytime the Hawkeyes are in action. It's a great spot for late-night fun with a Southern-inspired menu with a great collection of burgers, sandwiches, wings, and, of course, Caroline's famous fried chicken. The atmosphere is incredible with plenty of TVs to watch any game on your radar, and there's a party room available for rent for your next big gathering. That's Sweet Caroline's Kitchen and Cocktails at 316 Main Street Names, the presenting sponsor of all of our basketball conversation here on the podcast. Are you uh, are you throwing a fit still because of our conversation about Utah, or are you, are you done now? I, I didn't have a fit. I, just, I, I don't like when people act like how you did. <laughs> bothers me but that's okay bothers i still you. like you like we're still friends but at the end of the day you're wrong i was right it bothers you that i was right no i was right it's hard it's hard for me as a an intelligent human being to communicate with peasantry over there peasantry <laughs> oh man i had a uh, i had a woman come up to a, come up to me when i went to the uh, we will event for Iowa state a couple weeks ago. And, uh, she told me that we swear too much. Uh, she said, actually, she didn't say we swear too much. She said, we use the F word too much, which is probably a fair, uh, a fair, you know, fair criticism. Uh, she's not going to be impressed with the conversation about Utah. I don't think. Shout out to old lady though, for, she came up to me on Wednesday night. She said, you guys did a great job last week. We regressed. Oh, I don't think we, we definitely, yeah, we definitely didn't. We went back to the mean. Yeah, the- we went back to the more realistic place at which we will we will generally live. Uh, all right, Iowa State. 
has lost uh, two of their last four, but did win on Wednesday against TCU. Uh, again, a TCU team that's just a shell of themselves right now. They're going to get back to Mike Miles this week, but or uh, later today. But uh, Wednesday night, they were a shell of themselves. But for Iowa State, just to be able to get a win was obviously huge. There are just some things right now about this team that are uh, that are, are kind of concerning. I think just some trends with, you know, you look at the way Gabe Kalsher's played over the last couple of weeks. You see what Caleb Grill's been doing since he's come back from his injury. Uh, just some some red flags, you know, not like I think the sky is falling, but some problems that I think could become bigger issues as the season moves along here these last couple of weeks. Yeah, it's kind of the same thing I was saying about – Iowa, Iowa State got really hot for a good amount of time in the in the conference play, and I mean everyone knows how basketball and sports works. Like you're always going to come down from a winning streak or some type of streak, and you just don't know when. Like there's going to be a run in a game, you don't know when the team's going to make the run, and you got to respond. So I'm not, I, I st- I'm still not worried about the Iowa State team. I think they're still capable of making a deep run in the postseason play. But they're going to have to figure these things out quickly because they're not the same team that they were mid-season play in conference and early season conference. Um, The pieces are there, though. I I, I don't want – I hate when teams – this is one of my biggest pet peeve about fans critiquing teams. I mean, obviously, you know basketball a little better, so you're not not probably saying the same argument, but – they're in, they're in a losing they're 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 in a rough patch right now with how they're playing but at the end of the day the the pieces are there and the fact that they've done it already against really good teams is a promising thing for postseason playing going into these next f- few weeks so i don't think there's any reason to ever doubt that, that these guys or ever think that they're they're going to end this season on a on a really rough patch like how they're playing right now so I don't know. I, I think the same thing with Iowa. They're very Iowa and Iowa State are really two similar teams. I think yeah. this year they just have flip flop on offense and defense. Yeah, the, I mean, I just think the unfortunate, like to me, when I look talk about like red flags for the end of the season and things like that. I mean, for one thing, they play at Kansas State, at Texas, and at Baylor in their last five games. Like that's recipe for disaster for anybody in college basketball to have to make those three road trips uh in a couple of weeks and it's like i'm not really that worried about them for the postseason because i know that a lot of the teams they've been playing for the last two months are way better than any team that they're going to get lined up against in the ncaa tournament you know like the odds of them playing a team as good as oklahoma state even or it seems slim, like in the first round of the dance, you know, at least on, you know, on, on paper or whatever, if you want to say that, but, uh, it, it just is, it's where you see some of the things that I, I think with, uh, some frustration things that seem to have been happening, especially that Oklahoma state game, it felt like there was a lot of frustration that came out in that game. And that's just, you have to figure out a way to get the, like just get good vibes going again, you know, because I feel like that's kind of been what's missing. It's like everybody's pressing because you've lost a couple games, you know, and you start to feel that pressure from the fans and from, uh, from people around you. And, uh, 
man, it, it does make me really sad to see the way that some of the fans have talked about some of the guys on Iowa State's team. Like, the treatment that Robert Jones gets on the internet makes me fucking sick, dude. Makes me fucking sick to see the things that people say about him in the way that they criticize him, in the way that they will, like, you'll even, man, that guy's got a family that could be on the internet. Like, that guy has an... Man, it just is, it borders on being like, just being a fucking dickhead and not being like, oh, being a fan that might be kind of upset. And I like, I just want people to think about that sometimes because it just, I think that's really unfortunate for a guy that is, all he does is play really hard for Iowa State and try really hard and for people to just shit on him all the time. Like, that's just, it's really fucked up. Get a fucking life. That's what I'm going to say. If you like are that worried about it, then get a fucking life. I think that's just like what f- describes fans, honestly, as a whole. That's just not some Iowa State fans or some troll on the outside. I think as soon as they get a taste of victory and beating top teams in the country, this goes with any types of sports, football, you know, basketball, and anything. They want they want to be at that level every single game, and realistically, that's not possible. Like Alabama football might be the only team ever in college sports history, UConn women's basketball maybe as well, that those fans can get on their their players because they've proven every single game out they they are playing that exact same way. But I mean, what do, what are we talking about here? We're talking about like a kid that all he does is one hundred percent give his all all every single game out in a team that two years ago. Didn't, you didn't even think this team would be in the place they are. Yeah. This program. And the program literally didn't win a conference game two years ago. Win, yeah, didn't win a conference game two years ago. And they're in this position now to potentially, I mean, we're looking with the opportunities they have here, they they could run themselves into a four, three seed area. Yeah. If, if they, if they go to back to back, you go from not winning a conference game to going to back to back sweet 16s. And people are bitching about Robert Jones. Yeah. Like, get the fuck out of here, man. You know? And it's like, again, like you said, like a guy who, man, I'm sure that even Robert Jones, if you sat him down and had a conversation with him, would tell you that compared to other, compared to like Jonathan Chamwa Chachua and like guys from Musa Sise and like, he's going to tell you even himself, I'm limited, but that's why he plays the way that he does, you know? And why he does the things he does is because he understands who he is and his limitations are there times like that he maybe takes a shot that he shouldn't? Sure. But everybody on the team does that. You know, everybody in college basketball does that. And anyone who has this expectation for their players to be perfect is going to be really disappointed because that just is not at the end of the day, they're college players, you know, and you can't have this expectation that like Robert Jones is going to be Joel Embiid. Like, you're going to be really mad a lot of the time. And that's why I say get a life. Like you need to find something else to have a better hobby because this one is only going to frustrate you. You know, if that's what your expectation for people is going to be. Yeah. And it's one thing to go after a kid that puts up 25 points and 12 rebounds a game. And he is a dominant force. Like if Luca Garza, I'm sure Luca Garza would say this personally to us. If we were asking him this, and he, if he had a game his senior year at Iowa and he went 0 for 17 and had seven, he was, he had zero points, seven rebounds. I guarantee you he would respect the criticism that he took. 
but we're, we're looking at a guy that doesn't deserve any criticism based off what he's given to your guys' program. And, yeah. and that's, that's shameful. Right. It's like, you know, it, it was just, it was funny to me after Saturday and I'm not going to like single anybody out. I'm going to speak kind of generally, but it's like Iowa state's backcourt combined to go like five of 25 from three or from the field. And then I've got people in my mentions bitching about Robert Jones's minutes. And I'm like, yo folks, we're having the wrong conversation here. You know, and it's just like, and again, like I'm not trying to knock anybody, any of Iowa State's guards because those guys have bailed Iowa State out a lot. Like Iowa State would not be in the position that they're in without those guys. And the way that they play is a big, a big reason for that. But it's just like you can't come out of a game and just automatically just be like, oh, I'm going to shit on the guy that doesn't look like he belongs out there because he's not a freak athlete and, like, is just, like, a hustler, you know? That just is stupid. Like, have some have some higher basketball acumen. Have some higher, like, understanding of what you're watching. Just, like, even a minuscule amount. And, like, how do you watch so much basketball and not have a better understanding of those things? That's just – it just drives me crazy. And realistically, I, I, I guarantee you, Jared, 75% of the fans that are criticizing – Robert or other players that have had bad games don't even watch the game. They look at the stat sheet. They're like, oh, this guy was blah, blah, blah from the field. He had blah, blah, blah. Didn't watch any of the game. Or if they did watch the game, they have no idea what the fuck they're looking at. Right. And the only person who, the only thing I think you can knock any of those guys on is that they foul way too much. And that would be a, that would be a, a, a fair criticism for literally anyone on that team. They foul too much, really, and that's is like that even like a criticism though. That no, that's just much? a that's yeah. just an objective fact. Like yeah. that is an objective fact that they foul too much. They have they have four front court players who play. Three of them average six and a half or more fouls per forty minutes. Unacceptable. They have yeah. a guy who is averaging seven point seven fouls per forty minutes, and people wonder why he doesn't play more. <laughs> Maybe because the second that he walks on the court, he's a fucking walking foul. You know, <laughs> like, I don't know, man. Oh man. He plays three minutes and picks up three fouls. Why, why is this guy not out there more? I, I love the guys like that on my team. I always want a guy come in and get a, get a, ruffle the feathers a little bit, get three quick ones until, what's up. until you've put them in the, in the bonus with 16 minutes left in the second half of a game. Like Iowa state did against West Virginia yeah. last week. That's not a recipe for a win. Yeah, no, not a recipe for a win when you've got the other team in the – well, and then it doesn't help that Iowa State, when they go to the free throw line, they get into the bonus and it's like a turnover. The Being in the single bonus is a turnover. That should be a stat. Turnover from a missed one-on-one. Oh, Iowa State was basically 0 for 8 on one-for-ones because they missed the front end of four straight one-on-ones in the second half. I'm not going to lie, though. That first free throw on a one-on-one is pretty stressful. So, Oh, no, no doubt. Yeah, yeah I get it. Don't get me wrong. I get it. But it was like Caleb Grill, who's like a 90% free throw shooter, yeah. goes and misses two of them, you know? And you're like, all right, man. Like, got to knock them down sometimes. Uh, all right. I, I don't think that Iowa State probably wins that game today or wins their game on Wednesday. Uh, but you I don't. think they – I think they get just, one. I don't know. Maybe they could win today. Kansas State hasn't been playing very well. But, man, to go down and beat Texas in Austin, especially after the way that first game went, you know, Caleb Grill is going to be public enemy number one at the Moody Center. Like, it's just going to be – that'll be a raucous environment. That will be a no-love-loss type of evening. 
I hope Caleb Grill does shit like that again. I don't know. I maybe it's just because how the type of player I was. I want. I want. I want to see stuff like that. Oh, I'm sure that if Caleb knocks down a couple shots, he's gonna he's gonna be letting them know. You know, he's uh, down at half court, right at he, the 18 minute mark in the first half. I, I hope die laughing. I hope his back feels better than what it appeared to feel on Wednesday because he was uh, he was laboring. It felt like. Um, all right, a couple things, or really one more thing before we before we sign off. This story was too good to uh, to ignore. So this came from uh, man, I can't remember the guy's name. I found this on Twitter, but he tweeted uh, the other day during the Louisville Virginia game per UVA radio. John Freeman, UVA, the game ball was flat at the end of regulation. Half the regular PSI. Uh, UVA's Ben Vanderplas and Kihai Clark said the the ball was flat in the second half. Vanderplas said he showed an official how his fingers pushed into it late in the game. Uh, and then I found this story uh, from that same reporter. Uh, how flat was the basketball at the end of Virginia's 61-58 road win at Louisville? According to UVA radio announcer John Freeman, the ball measured 2.8 PSI about seven minutes after the game's conclusion, well below the normal pressure. NBA basketballs must be inflated between 7.5 and 8.5 PSI. NCAA rules regulate the balls based on weight with a maximum weight of 22 ounces. This is the best part. On the game's final play... An odd possession where Louisville did not attempt to, to get a shot off at the buzzer. Cardinals forward J.J. Trainer gave the ball one dribble and it stayed down on the court, not bouncing up. It's <laughs> absurd. The ball was a was basically a third of the correct PCI, and they played the entire game with it. I didn't watch the game. Did you watch that game? No, I no, but it sounds like it was a really horrible game. Like everyone shot the ball really horribly and they apparently couldn't dribble the ball because it was flat. That I mean 2.8 PSI like compared to whatever they said like 7.5 or 8.5 like that's a flat ball. That ball has that's no wild. air in it, you know. Yeah, yeah. That that's literally a flat ball. That's the ball you go to the you go to the rec center, you're looking at the balls on the rack you're picking them up and it pushes halfway in, yep. you know, and you're like, Oh yeah, no one's played with that ball in years. It's squeezed between the cages, like of the rails. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, okay. I'm going to get, I'm going to have my little official moment here though. For yeah. a second. I know they'll, they'll go for full circle here. Um, I don't understand how these fucking people in black and white don't do anything about it. Yeah. They, they touch the ball, every dead ball. They have the ball. They're in their hands. They have people complaining about it. What the fuck are they doing? How do you not really? Oh, maybe we just switch the ball. Like there's an extra ball on the sideline that is literally for the outside public. I have a brief story, Jared. Hear me out for a second. Every before every game, the ref comes up to you, one of the point guards. So I would always get a bunch of basketballs, and I'm like, "Hey, I want this one, game ball one. This one, game ball two. All right, I got it, sir. All right, I got it, sir. All right, I got it, sir. 179 times that happened. Actually, 178 times. There's one game out of the 179 games that a ref said no to a game ball that not only did I agree with, but the other point guard on the opposing team agree with. And he went with game ball too. And we're like, are you playing the basketball game or are we playing the basketball game? First off, I don't know who's, I don't know who's playing the basketball game. So this is full circle. I, I don't know. I, I think this is a ref's fault for them not realizing that the psi was wrong and two the players are literally ba like they're asking the ball is flat man right you're not the one dribbling it 
That's that's my bigger issue is that there's a point where Ben Vanderplast looks at the guy, pushes his fingers into the ball, and the referee pro- either looked at it and did nothing or looked at it and just one, two, kept counting, like keep going on. Like, I don't know, man, not my problem. When it's like, no, that's literally your problem. That's why you're here. Switch the ball. Their ego's too big, dude. I'm, I, I've been saying this for fucking years. Ever since I was in college, they don't they don't listen to the players. Their ego is way too big. They're getting paid so much money per game. They're traveling around the country. They're not listening to players about the basketball game. They, These guys have to be flying private, right? Like, can I don't? They have to be. I mean, we remember we talked about it. It's a travel expense. They they're all independent contractors. They write it off on their tax or on their tax documents because it just seems like there's no way that you could get to some of these places as fast as they do without yeah i just i'm tired of ego in general but how refs have been acting in college basketball because it's getting to the point dude where it Boborowski is probably like the biggest example, but I, I liked him. I didn't think he was that bad of an official. But rest making the game about them. Yeah. Because that's that's what happened here at Virginia, Jared. Like the game was about them. If they're not if they're not willing to listen to the players about the basketball. But how many issues have there been about refs in college basketball getting this year? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean like it's absurd. Over and over again. Yeah. I'm just getting tired that's, of it. That's where it, you, like, we have to figure out a way to bring it under the conference structure where the conferences pay for the officials. And then there's like legitimate oversight of them, you know, not just, oh yeah, this is what we're telling our guys, you know, like, no, like you're actually holding people accountable. Everybody's watching film. There's a decisions made on how we're going to officiate certain games with certain teams to try and like keep shit fair, you know? Like it just is, I just feel like right now it's all just scattershot. Like every game somebody shows up, someone like Roger Ayers could show up. Roger Ayers could call one game one night where there's four fouls and then he could call a game the next night where there's 50, you yeah. know? And and like I understand, oh yeah, some teams foul more than others, but like it, the things that they call, like there's times where you see officials who call things that aren't there, you know? And that's one thing like I like about John Higgins. I feel like he doesn't call fouls that he doesn't see very often when a lot of officials call a foul, whether they see it or not, because they just think that there was a foul there, you know? Yeah. I I don't know. I think the issue has long extended passes before this year too. So, Oh yeah. I I was, I was reading uh, an article out of, I think it was Australia, the NBL. There's a ref that missed a call late in the game and he got suspended. Uh, I think it was like three games. I would have to pull up the article and, and know the exact details. I don't want to misspeak, but why can't we do that in the NBA or college basketball? Yeah. I don't I don't get it. There's Did they ever suspend official. those guys who missed the call at the end of the Lakers Celtics game? I know they apologized for it, but I don't know if they ever suspended them. I never heard of a official getting suspended in the NBA other than Donahue for cheating on basketball games. Betting, yeah. yeah. I do think there's been issues with the balls too. Like that's, I think that, I don't know if it's been like flat balls, but there has been something weird going on with the balls sometimes. Like I know that before the West Virginia, Iowa state game, they had to switch the ball out because the, the guys didn't like it. So I don't know what the deal is with that either. I think, I don't know. 
you would be able to speak to this better than I would, but I the balls at the NCAA tournament last year, I heard for some from some people that those balls were complete dog shit. And that's like, how do we have like horrible basketballs for the biggest basketball tournament on the fucking planet? You know? Yeah, I I told myself I wasn't gonna go down this road because we outright outright. No, no, I, no. I'm opening the, the door for you to talk about this because I think this is a legitimate conversation that should have been had at this time a year ago about these basketballs. I don't think I've ever mentioned about anything about the Richmond game, so this would be first first thing ever. But the basketballs at that tournament, dude. I don't know. First of all, I, I haven't spoken to a single player that's played an NCAA tournament that year that liked the basketballs that they had, first off. But two, the thing with the NCAA tournament, and this extends before that year too, they have, you know, you have brand new courts, brand new logos on the floor, um, brand new rims, brand new nets, like everything is new on the floor, right? And then you have these basketballs that are inflated all the way up. I guarantee they're all, all the way up to eight, five and they haven't been used once. So there, so there's that, right. You got to deal with all the new shit. Like, and that's, that's a factor, right? Like the logos on the floor, that's a factor. Cause they're, they're, they're more slippery on one side of the floor than the other. When you step on a logo, the rims are tight. Like the nets are so short and, and obviously a first world problem, but still a problem. Yeah. Right, still a problem. Yeah. Like yeah. it's different. And then you add basketball on top of it. That is literally, you cannot dribble the ball. Like how I normally dribble to basketball. Like I always like pound, like you obviously, you, I don't know how to yeah, explain no, it. Like, no, no. I, I was going to say anybody who, uh, anybody who doesn't remember this, like find like a YouTube video of like highlights, 2022 NCAA March Madness watch someone dribble the ball when they're running out in transition yes. the way they would try and push the ball out in front of them realize that they couldn't do it and then you end up with everyone dribbling like with their fingers all spread out like weirdo style looking like they're in like the fourth grade yeah. trying to dribble the basketball that was the moment i knew i watched i think it was isaiah brackington trying to dribble like that in transition and i was like oh my god like what the hell is going on with the ball you know mm. and it's like so clear that people you know can dribble the basketball can't dribble the ball and i'm like well i don't think that the monsters showed up and took these guys talent so like something has to be going on here with the basketball Deadass, that's what it feels like too like you feel like your dribbling skills are down in the toilet like someone took your skills because i i mean i know i can dribble the basketball like i don't i have a fucking like three to one assist to turnover ratio like i'm just not gonna dribble the ball and it's gonna go off my foot or it's gonna I'm going to go between the legs. The ball is going to go up into my head, like, but that's what happened. Like, I don't know why it's so hard to get that right though. Like it's not that hard of an issue to fix, but for whatever reason, like we can use the same basketballs, but yeah. let us break them in. Like before we get to the NCAA tournament, deflate them just a little bit. So they're not at eight, five. I don't know. It seems too easy to fix. Maybe that's what it is. Those balls were obnoxiously orange too. That was yeah. a, like, that was another red flag. You knew something was going to go wrong when those balls were like neon orange, you know, it looked like a playground ball on TV. Yeah. It looked like the ball that someone, uh, they, it, they're like, Hey, we got to get some balls for the, this tournament. And they sent someone to Walmart to buy the MacGyver balls. Yeah. No, it's exactly what they felt like too. Oh man. All right. On dude. the biggest stage in the country too, Jared, the no, biggest like basketball the biggest... tournament on the planet. Yes. And we bigger than the Olympics. 
we can't get a good basketball. I will say uh, this too. I I always hated like NBA basketballs. I know they switched to Wilson now, but man, I am like, I'm grown. I'm I'm a grown man now, and I, I've grown on to my basketball game. They're my favorite basketball I ever used now. The Wilsons. Yeah. Yeah, those are my favorite too. That's what I have. I have a. Yeah, they well, have it's a not like evolution. The, the, like the NBA, like the leather, you know what I'm saying? Like it's not, yeah, there's not yeah. a lot of grip to it. Yeah. But you think about it, I was watching, dude, this is a great, this kind of goes along with what we're talking about. I was watching the Iowa game last, uh, was it Thursday? And I saw the amount of bad bounce, like bounces that just stuck on the rim or like rolled in still or like some sort of weird bounce. Now let's think about it. There's that giant ass Tiger Hawk logo that's in, like emboldened onto the ball, right? And then there's the elite. No, this is gonna make sense in a second. And then there's the Nike Elite big ass letters that are emboldened onto the ball. Yeah. And like there's like a there's like a I don't know what the exact difference is, but like if you move your finger on the ball, like your finger would go into the ball, right? Because it's yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, indentions, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm thinking about it, I'm like, oh my, I don't know why I didn't think about this before. But first, like if you catch the ball and your 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 middle finger is on like the tiger hawk, like that's a difference because your ball's your hand's going into yeah. the ball basically. Well, it's a different material too, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's a, di- yeah. a totally different material. It's not even the same leather. And then like there's a ball that Peyton Sanford shot in the first or in the second half or first half, and it smacked the back of the rim and just fell right in. Like you could tell the ball landed on that logo perfectly, indented into the rim, indented into the backboard, and fell straight into the hoop. Like great for Iowa, but now I understand why NBA uses these types of balls because everything is one. You know what I'm saying? Like there's right. no like I don't know I don't know how I didn't think about this before, but it's one people that are listening to us watch the next college basketball game and you guys will know what I'm talking about. Didn't they try to change the ball for one year like ten years ago? 10, 15 years ago or something like that. And all the NBA players were like, yeah, we can't do this. You got to change it back. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. it lasted one year. I think they had a composite ball, and then they're like, no, we're not doing that. Not doing that. It makes so much sense now, dude. I'm I'm wiser now. I get it. All right, man. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Hopefully, uh, we'll talk to you again next week after, uh, after some more wins, all right? Go Hawks. Go Cyclones. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Peace. Iowa everywhere.